Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 425 for Tuesday, the 10th of November 2015. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Hillary Rumble. It is so good to see you. Great to see you. Thank you. We're going to catch up in just a couple of minutes. Tonight, uh, just to get right into it, we are going to be wrapping up our Raspberry Pi music server feature uh, with part three of three. Uh, because Sasha was so involved in the project, mm-hmm. she is actually on location right now at her new employers. Whoa. We're going to throw it to her. We've got a few cameras <laughs> set up. And if all goes well, it's gonna we're going to pull it off. Uh, we're going to check in with her in just a few minutes' time. Hill. Perfect. Well, You're on the news desk I tonight. am. Way to go. Back to my roots in the news. Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. A new type of adware has been found on Android that is virtually impossible to install. A commercial drone that could fly indefinitely is about to hit the market. A one-year-old girl is the first human to receive a pioneering genetic therapy that seems to have cured her of leukemia. A high-speed printer that can produce circuit boards has won the Dyson Engineering Award. And Google has released some powerful Alcode as open source to spur development. You'll never believe which technology Sony is pulling the plug on. Stick around, because the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring... Sasha Dramatis. Hillary Rumble. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. So happy to have you here. Chat room's going wild. Hillary Rumble's here. Hooray! What have you been up to? Well, keeping it real, gang. Um, You may notice I look a little different physically. We had to uh, move the table back. Yeah, I'm a little bit, a little bit of a baby bump in the way here. So, uh, want to remind the viewers when you're due and what you're expecting? Yeah, I'm. Having a girl providing the ultrasound is accurate. Yeah, so right. that'll be embarrassing. All the pink room um, done up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, I'm due at the end of February. So yeah, it's pretty wild. Awesome. So yeah. is this kind of the like wrap it up kind of show for until after I the baby? I feel like I or? might be able to get one more in. One more. Robbie. Yeah. Okay. So, so next. don't cry for me yet, gang. All right. I'll try to do one more before the baby comes. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's so plan. nice to have you here. Oh, I know, you know, you. you're, you're you're moving along. Look at this. <laughs> I'm growing. I'm definitely growing. Very exciting. The category sure. 5 family is growing. <laughs> so That is true. Uh, uh, tonight we've got a lot to cover. Uh, we're excited and anxious. We've we've got a, a bunch of cameras set up downtown, and uh, we're going to be hitting on that in just yeah. a couple minutes' time. First of all, a little matter of business. Want to say happy birthday to our longtime viewer mm-hmm. Michael Arnold today. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! And <laughs> incidentally, um, I was wondering if we could all kind of come together as a community and mm. you know, everybody throw a couple bucks at Michael. Uh, he's doing a fundraiser right now to try oh, okay. to buy. A 
a lift for his wheelchair. Wow. He wants to be able to get up to the, you know, it must be frustrating that, you know, you're in a wheelchair and you got to sit at a table like this all the time and you can't go up and down. So let's get him the thing that makes it go up. That would be great. So all we you have do to do that. is go to gofundme.com slash power lift elevator. And I'll also post the link for that in the chat room as Perfect. well as in the show notes for the show. Uh, and show some love to our, our viewer, um, Michael Arnold. And thank you so much for watching, Mike. Okay, speaking of uh, needs and, uh, you know, call to action for viewers to, mm -hmm. to help fund things, the show costs a lot of money right now. It and does. And that's the truth. <laughs> um, we are in the middle of a fundraiser that started last week. We're well on our way. We've got uh, a handful of you have taken this on, and it's it's really exciting to see you um, deciding to, to help out the show. Mm -hmm. uh, all that we're asking for is 25 cents an episode. So you love Category 5 TV. We do four or five episodes uh, on Category 5 technology TV per month, mm -hmm. so once a week. Um, and so if we had 1,000 people all given 25 cents... That's all it would take. We'd be golden. We'd, we'd be smooth sailing. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, we could cut that in half. If people can do 50 cents an episode, then mm. it would only take 500 people. So that's, that's pretty doable, right? Uh, but 25, 50 cents an episode for mm -hmm. Category 5 technology TV. If you, if you get something out of the show, if you're one of those who, uh, can, uh, who sends in questions and, and gets answers, or if you just enjoy the entertainment aspect of it. Our friendly Canadian faces, <laughs> right? <laughs> Because we're just so friendly up here. We are. We really are. Uh, then consider contributing. Um, and, and there are some viewers who could give significantly more. And there are some that are giving one, two, three, even five dollars. And if you can imagine if 125 people gave two dollars an episode, bills oh, are paid. Yes, totally. Right? If uh, only 50 people gave five bucks an episode, bills are mm -hmm, paid. Mm -hmm. That's the grand scheme of things. But realistically, thinking of yourself, if you enjoy the show... 25 cents is all we're asking. Go to uh, patreon.com mm -hmm. slash category five to find out how you can do it. Uh, it's really quite simple. We're not going to spend much time on it tonight. I just want to show you how to get there. Yeah, Go to patreon.com. Let's bring up mm -hmm. our screen if uh, the technology will work for us tonight. Beauty. Patreon.com slash category five, just like that. Okay. Once you're there, you can learn all about what's going on. But here's how you do it. Give what? It defaults to $1. All we're asking you to do is go 0 0.25 and then become a patron. If you can do more than that, fantastic. I mean, that's going to that's gonna obviously get us there even quicker. Mm -hmm. um, but all we're asking for is 25 cents. Also, oh. what have I got? If I can reach it. What is it? Teeny drones. Oh, these are so You've seen cool. them? These are amazing. Love I got it. it out of the box this week for you folks. Oh, there we go. It can fly inside, outside. Ooh. It's got a six-axis gyro system, and it flies like a dream. You can do flips. Watch Whoa, your hair. Flip it on tangles my head. in your... Yeah. Well, I'm pretty good. I'll, <laughs> Just I'll do okay. Kidding. We're giving away two of these. So what we're doing is the first 100 people to contribute in our Patreon campaign, and everybody Ooh. who already has are going to qualify. We're going to hey, give away a race pack. So cool. Race pack is cool. You and I could go out in the field and race. We'd go into the gym Sweet. and just zip around the, the auditorium. That would be cool. Or if, you know, if you want, you could just charge one while you're flying the other one. You've got two. They take 15 hmm. minutes to charge. Oh, nice. They fly for 15 minutes. So if you do the math, you'll be flying nonstop. 
That's cool. So the first 100 people to contribute at patreon.com slash category five, as little as 25 cents, we're going to enter you in the draw to win two of those teeny drones. Sounds good to me. Let's see if we can do it before uh, the end of the month, because if we can hit it, let's do it. Then I can make sure that you've got those before Christmas. Now, I have a question, because some people might be like, are you really going to charge my credit card 25 cents? How Can does, you imagine? How does this work? No, because exactly. we understand about fees and everything. Patreon's got a great model. What they do is they just say, okay, how many episodes have we had in the previous month? So if it's four episodes, they're going to charge you four times whatever you pledged per episode. Okay. So if you pledge 25 cents, it'll be a dollar or maybe a dollar 25 in a five-week uh, month. Okay. So that's how that works. So you don't you pay go. every week. It's See? Easy. once a month. One transaction. That's all there is to it, folks. Easy, people. Thank you to those who have supported us so far. It is making a mm-hmm. difference, and uh, we really do need to push it, folks. Uh, we're coming up on some big bills, and I, I'm, I hate asking for money. I know. But that's where we're at. We've, we've got to get uh, mm-hmm. to the point where we're smooth sailing. It's $250 per episode to be smooth sailing here at Studio D, and uh, our expenses grow with our viewership. We mentioned last week we're up over a half a million viewers per week. And oh, with that boy. means growing expenses mm-hmm, because we're mm-hmm. paying bandwidth. We're paying website, um, the various types of hosting that we have. We've got quite an infrastructure set up to be able to field mm-hmm. all that data, uh, especially with things like Roku where we don't have banner ads or anything to help offset the cost. Um, it, it, if you're using it on Roku, if you're watching the show, or any of our shows for that matter, um, please do consider patreon.com slash category five. Perfect. Enough about that. I know you've heard enough. Should we get right into it? Yeah. Okay. Ready to rock this. All right. You got it? Raspberry Pi, music server. We're going to do this. Uh, episodes 414 mm-hmm. and 416. Yes, you covered how to do the build. That's where we started it. Yeah. Sasha was greatly mm-hmm. involved in that. So, yeah, we did the build. Uh, what else did we do? We learned how to... The install and setup of the vol... How do you say it? Vol- Volumio is Volumio. what I am saying. The software that we chose <laughs> to build a media server. Mm-hmm. So, episodes four... What was it? 414 and 416. Those are the ones that you want to see. If you haven't seen them yet, um, that will get you caught up to today. Mm-hmm. Go to cat5.tv slash pi, and you'll be able to get uh, the kit that we're using in order to put this thing together. So right from the build to installing Volumio to today, uh, if all goes well, Sasha's there going to um, set everything up. Now, I was there earlier and kind Mm -hmm. of did the networking end of things. Um, So I've got the wiring kind of in place, and it just kind of will expedite things tonight. Uh, But I I think we're ready. Um, So Sasha's actually at her new job. And uh, we decided that, hey, here's a really great place Mm -hmm. to deploy this multimedia server that we've been building. It's a great concept. I think it's going to work really well there. Um, They mentioned to me that they're supposedly, uh, they're supposed to start playing Christmas music. Yes, pretty much right away. We're we're November 10th now. Um, So, how can we kind of make this into a a feature where okay they're also going to be migrating away from their regular daytime rotation Mm. and straight into christmas music so i I went there organized all their christmas stuff into a folder on their network share so it turned out that they have a nas server Mm. and it's got samba it's a windows server so it's sharing uh, a folder then the nas calls it share 
So when we see that, just note that the share is actually called share. <laughs> gotcha. Confuse things, I guess. So, um, so within that folder, uh, within that share, I created a folder called music mm-hmm. and then a folder called Christmas. And then in the Christmas folder is where I put all of their CDs, ripped oh, okay. them to MP3 for gotcha, them, and they're gotcha. all there. Um, so if all goes well, it should be good. So we'll just uh, we'll throw it over right now. Uh, I'm getting the nod, and everybody says yeah. uh, we're good to go. She's so waiting for us. Here we are. Hi, everybody. I am Sasha Dermatis from Category 5, and we are here on site for the third part of the Raspberry Pi series. I am here on site with Sarah at New Life Chiropractic, the job that has taken me from you, um, to install the Raspberry Pi as our third episode of the Raspberry Pi series. So the reason why it work, it'll work really well here is because we have a lot of music going on, a lot of patients. We have a calling system that calls patients into adjustment rooms. Um, so this will work to help control the music and the calling system together. So let's go hook this guy up to the PA system. Okay, so Sarah, if you come on in here, I'll show you here. So this is the old system. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the computer that the music was playing off of and the PA system. And then th- we're going to hook up this Raspberry Pi. Now, there's this little card here and while it's powered off, it's okay to remove this card, but this card is actually the hard drive. Okay. So when it's powered on, do not remove it. We'll put a piece of tape on it or something. Okay. Okay. So hooking this up is super easy. So what we'll do is we will unhook this jack and plug it in. So that's like the headphone jack. This is the Ethernet cable, which gives us access to all of the music. And then we can plug that in. Like that. The very last thing we plug in is the power. Okay. Um... And this can only go in one place and only in one way, making it super easy. So now Woo-hoo. the light is flashing. It is on. Awesome. There we go. We're ready to rock. So now that that's booting, let's go head to the front desk to uh, load up the Christmas music. Cool. So Robbie was here earlier and he did some of the more technical stuff. He set up the NAS, the network attached storage and the music and put Volumio on the computer. Um, So Robbie, why don't you tell us what exactly you did? Okay, thanks, Sasha. Um, Basically, Mm -hmm. when I was there earlier, uh, as I mentioned, I kind of set up the the networking end of Mm -hmm. things, dropped in the music. it should be pretty easy for you to do um, now that it's all set up. Um, I'm kind of throwing um, Sasha into the water here yeah. and saying, okay, now swim. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a lot of fun. Um, let's, let's think about, okay, well, what all did I do? I mean, I set up the net, network share. I plugged it, uh, tested everything. But what I haven't done so far is connecting the library and things like that. The, the differentiation with Volumio is, and where it can get a little bit confusing, mm-hmm. is when we add our music, our library, if you will, 
Um, it's literally just a library of information. That's the resource that you're going to be pulling mm. from or library of music. Um, so then when we add that through the network, it's, it's still not into the playlist yet so it's not programmed to be played right. we then have to create the playlist and then from there we're going to um, also um, control that and edit it I think um, Sasha if you can what we'll get you to do is um, actually uh, import the entire library I think the easiest thing to do would be to start with importing everything and then you just kind of purge out the ones that you don't, really want, you yeah. don't need Yeah. Uh, so that's what we'll look at um, that's really all that I've done so far. It's pretty simple. Um, now that Sasha's got it plugged into the PA system, we're going to see uh, in just a moment how when she controls that from the front desk computer, because the PA is plugged into the headphone mm -hmm. jack of the Raspberry Pi, the music is going to, in fact, come out of the PA. Cool. Not out of her computer. Right. So there's mm -hmm. a differentiation there. So you can control it from any computer. You can control it from your, your tablet or your uh, smartphone within the LAN, the local area network, you can do all your controls, but it's still going to come out of the PA system. It's not going mm -hmm. to be coming out of the, uh, the computer or the device that you're using. So that's pretty decent. You know, if you hear a song that you don't like, you can bring it up on the computer and delete it, Get rid of it from yeah. the playlist, but you're not deleting it from the library, you're deleting it from the playlist. So uh, cool. maybe Sasha can touch on that a little bit more yeah, for you. So hopefully that helps. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Ravi. Okay, so this is a little bit technical and complicated, so I'll need your patience a little bit. Oh, but God. what we're going to do is create a NAS mount point for the library, and we're going to concentrate mostly or just on Christmas stuff today. So we'll go into the menu section and then go into library. And then what we're going to do is we're going to add a new mount point. Okay, and if I want to add New folders other than Christmas, I do the exact same thing. Yes, we'll follow okay. through these steps again. Okay. But for today, it's just Christmas. Perfect. Okay, so we need a source name, which we're going to call Christmas. And then we need to put in the IP address, and that's the IP address of the server itself. So, oh, there we go. You can just click through. Um, and then the remote directory we're going to add. Now this is the share folder. Now our share, share folder is called share. Yours might not be. It's slightly complicated. But share slash music slash Christmas. So shares or share folder. Music is the folder that, like the bigger folder, and then Christmas is inside that folder. Okay. So if we want to do something other than Christmas, obviously, it would probably be in music, and then it would be like classical or daily files. So this is where you'd find it on the server, right? Yes. Okay. Exactly. And then we need the username and password for, to, for the server, like to access the share file. Okay. So we have it here. This is case sensitive, which is important, and probably should also be spelled right. Let's see. And the multimedia, it's case sensitive, but my notes are not. <laughs> okay, and then the password. And then you just scroll down, it's pretty user friendly, you just hit save mount. And it will think for a second. Okay, 
So there's an X on here, which means we've done something wrong. Likely the password. Let's just scroll down here and try that again. So it's easy to undo if you have made a mistake. Okay, good. Because I will. It's okay. We've got Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so save mount. And now there's a check mark. So we have the Christmas folder. Down at the bottom left, we can see that it's updating, which means that the library is being accessed and we're going to add Christmas to it. Okay. And now it's there. So we hit browse. Okay. And then NAS. And there's Christmas. Woohoo! And there are a zillion files. So we can just click one to play. All right, okay. so we have music. I'm going to stop this for a quick second. Okay. Um, we're not going to go too into actually creating individual playlists because we did that on the Raspberry Pi segment two, which was episode 416. Now, if we go back, you can see we have tons. These are all different albums, and then there's songs in each album. So there's way too many songs to do individual playlists. So we'll just add everything. Okay. So... We've gone back into Christmas and we can click this little drop down menu and hit add. And now it's added everything in the Christmas folder to a playlist. Okay, so when I'm playing it, um, can I do like shuffling songs or make it so it repeats so I don't have to keep restarting it? Yes. Okay. So you go into playback here and mm -hmm. then there is a shuffle button, a random button there. Mm -hmm. And then that's for a random re or a repeat of the single song. So this is the full shuffle of the random okay. collection. Excellent. So we can hit play. There they are. Okay. Excellent. All right. Back to you, Robbie. Thanks, Asha. Thanks, Sarah. Great job. Um, mm. So looking at how you set that up, uh, adding all those Christmas songs, I think that's a great way to do it because mm. otherwise you're nitpicking through trying to add things to the playlist. So much easier just to add them all, mm. one fell swoop, and then as you listen to it, oh, there's a song that I don't want playing. Let's go into playlist and you can mm. just remove that one item. How easy is that? One mention, don't forget, once you've got your playlist at least semi ready to go, uh, down at the bottom right of Volumeo, um, you need to put in a name and hit the save button and that will actually save your playlist. So then when you go to the library, you'll actually see your playlist. So if we call it Christmas, for example, in this case, mm -hmm. uh, you'll, you'll be able just to reload that playlist anytime you want. Um, so that becomes that gets really handy. And then if you add more songs or delete a couple of songs from the playlist, just um, go back to playlist down at the bottom right, enter the exact same name. So if it's Christmas, mm -hmm. Christmas, and then save again, and it will overwrite the playlist. Cool. So good way to do it. And then as you create multiple playlists, you can you can have various playlists for different times of the day, different times of the yeah. year, yeah. Uh, different moods. Um, with the amount of music that they seem to have there, I don't think it's going to be a problem of repetition, um, which would be another reason to go through and delete a couple yeah. things. Christmas is a perfect example. You've got a thousand yes. versions of <laughs> the Frosty the song. Snowman, right? 
So pick the one that you like the most and remove the other yeah. ones, <laughs> unless you've got a lot and you're not going to hear them over and over anyways. But um, So thank you for following along with our Raspberry Pi series. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, if you have any further questions, you send us an email, live at Category5.tv. And keep watching Category 5 Technology TV for more Raspberry Pi features on future episodes. Nice, and if you haven't got one yet, go to cat5.tv slash pie, and you'll be able to pick up a Raspberry Pi, and uh, cool. then you'll be uh, able to follow along with the series and those future series mm. that we do as well. And you can do your own projects and send us emails with pictures and let us know what you've been able to come up with. Cool stuff. Cool. Okay, well, we're going to head over to the newsroom, so uh, I guess you're going to have to move over there by the <laughs> magic of television. Please hold. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, okay, Hillary, All off right. to the newsroom. I'm going. <laughs> it's Tuesday, November 10th, 2015, and here are the stories we are covering this week. A new type of adware has been found on Android that is virtually impossible to install. And what's worse, this Adler has root access. A commercial drone that can fly indefinitely is about to hit the market soon. A one-year-old girl is the first human to receive a pioneering genetic therapy that seems to have cured her of leukemia. Imagine being able to take a circuit board designed to prototype in just minutes. That's what the winner of Dyson Engineering Award does. Google has released some powerful Alcode as open source to spur development. And lastly, Sony is killing off one of their classic technologies, and we'll tell you which one it is after the break. These stories are coming right up, so don't go anywhere. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills that you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda. I'm Hilary Rumble in for Sasha Dermitis, and here are the top stories for the Category5.tv newsroom. Researchers have uncovered a new type of Android adware that's virtually impossible to uninstall, exposes phones to potentially dangerous root exploits, and masquerades as one of thousands of different apps from providers such as Twitter, Facebook, and even Okta, or Okta a two-factor authentication service. The researchers have found that more than 20,000 samples of trojanized apps that repackage the code or other features found in official apps available in Google Play and then are posted to third-party markets. From the end user's perspective, the modified apps look just like legitimate apps, and in many cases they provide the same functionality and experience. Behind the scenes, however, the apps use powerful exploits that gain root access to the Android operating system. The exploits allow the Trojanized apps to install themselves as system applications, a highly privileged status that's usually reserved for only the operating system level processes. Researchers from mobile security firm Lookout wrote in a blog post published on Wednesday, Because these pieces of adware root the device and install themselves as system applications, they become nearly impossible to remove, usually forcing victims to replace their device in order to regain normalcy. One of their researchers also later clarified that certain aspects of the phone's recovery software are overwritten or removed, making it impossible or at least very difficult to recover via a ROM flash. 
The researchers said the apps appear to do little more than display ads, but given their system level status and root privileges, they have the ability to subvert key security mechanisms built into Android. Hmm, that's some scary stuff. Freaks me out, let me well, tell you. And the fact is, is that this is, it's not coming in from legitimate sources. These are mm-hmm. infected programs that are made to look like so twitter for example yeah but if you are using one of the hacked repositories or whatever you call it like a rooted repository as opposed to the play store um then you're possibly opening yourself up to this and that's why the play store exists and says you know like use the official one incredible and as soon as you install one of those it sounds like it's next to impossible to to get her Crazy. back. Yeah. Moving along, Boston company Sci-Fi Works has just launched the commercial version of the Persistent Aerial Reconnaissance and Communications Drone, called PARC for short, which can stay up in the air for however long you want it to. The military has been using it to monitor its compounds for quite a while now, but the $22 million company raised an investment round enabled... Uh, raised in an investment round, enabled it to manufacture the product for commercial release. Wow. Park can fly up to 500 feet and it never has to land thanks to a microfilament attached um, that can transmit both power and data. That microfilament's strong despite being thinner than a headphone cable, but the drone has a backup battery all the same just in case the line accidentally snaps off. Since Park's tethered to the ground and therefore has limited mobility, Sci-Fi believes it is most suitable for long-distance communications relay and for reconnaissance work. The company has yet to announce Park's pricing and availability. Got to add that to your collection, Robbie. Well, it's it's kind of an interesting <laughs> thing, right? It's it's tethered by this thin wire, mm-hmm. but what's to stop something from flying into it? A rogue bird. I could see a bird getting tangled up in that. <laughs> that would be a mess. That like if this thing's terrible. 500 feet up in the yeah. air and a bird <laughs> flies into the wire, like a bird in a wire. Isn't that a song? It could be. It could be. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, Great Ormond Street doctors report that the first person in the world to receive a pioneering genetic therapy has had her cancer reversed. One-year-old Layla Richards from London had incurable aggressive leukemia only five months ago. Doctors used designer immune cells to fight the cancer and say her improvement was almost a miracle. It's too soon to know if she has been fully cured, but her progress already marks a huge moment in the field. Layla was three months old when she was diagnosed with the condition. As often happens with very young babies, chemotherapy and a bone marrow transplant failed to cure her. Doctors had nothing left to offer, and the day before her first birthday, her family were advised to go through palliative care, but her parents did not want to give up. Medical staff, in conjunction with the biotech company um, Selectus, rapidly gained permission to try a highly experimental therapy that had only been trialed once in mice, or only been trialed in mice. The treatment, designer immune cells, were the product of cutting-edge advances in gene editing. Previous therapies have tried to add new genes to correct a defect, whereas this one edited those that were already there. The cells were designed to seek out and kill only leukemia cells and to make them invisible to the strong drugs given to patients. The designer cells were then injected into Layla, and she also needed a second bone marrow transplant to restore her um, immune system. Now, just months after her family has told she 
or I'm sorry, months after finding out she had incurable cancer, Layla is not only alive, but has no trace of leukemia in her body. Wow. Dr. Paul Vase from Great Ormond Street said the transformation was one of the most remarkable things he'd ever seen in the past 20 years, but they know they won't truly know if Layla is cured until about one or two years from now. That's pretty that's, remarkable. That's amazing. And it's mm-hmm. a hard situation because like, what would you do in a, situ- in a case like that where you're given no hope mm-hmm. and told that there's no point in hoping and suddenly there's this opportunity to try something that is potentially dangerous, Very, but yes. otherwise you have no hope. So there's this gray area of would you, mm-hmm. do, do, would you do that? And in this case, it looks like this remarkable very successful process has mm-hmm. been successful or at least to some degree very cool. eager to hear what uh what happens over the next couple of years i hope that we do yes hear. for sure we'll report back if we hear anything a high speed printer that can produce circuit boards has won the dyson engineering award The laptop-sized Volterra V1 works by layering down different types of inks, one conducting and one insulating, to form a two-layer circuit board. With this technology, developers could turn circuit board designs into working prototypes in just minutes. It won the prize because of its great potential for speeding up the hardware design process. The global competition aims to reward engineering students who create devices that solve real-world problems. The group of developers from the University of Waterloo in Canada uh, won 30,000 pounds in cash to help um, them be able to finish making this printer. They have also raised more than 500,000, equivalent to around 331,000 pounds on Kickstarter. Way to go, Canada! Woohoo! University of Waterloo. Woo! That's pretty neat. That is really, very cool. Google has long been ahead of the curve on artificial intelligence. Earlier I said Al, I meant AI, artificial intelligence. And things just got a lot more interesting. This week, the tech giant released TensorFlow, a new AI system that's used in everything from recognizing speech on a noisy sidewalk to finding photos of your pet dog, Fluffy. In a rare move for Google, it's making its software open source, meaning anyone can access and edit the code. The software passes complex data structures or uh, tensors through a neural network or artificial brain, hence the name TensorFlow. This process is a core part of deep learning, a powerful AI tool that is used in many of Google's products. Google says the new program is five times faster than its first generation system and can be run on thousands of computers or a single smartphone. Google uses it in everything from search to photos to inbox. For example, it's what lets Google Translate detect foreign words on a street sign and translate them in real time as shown in the picture behind me. Very cool. I don't know if I actually have that picture. Oh. But we'll, I'll bring it up on the screen full screen for you. There okay, you are. thank you. Very cool. Google spokesperson Jason Friedenfell says the reason for making TensorFlow open source is to spur innovation and make it easier for researchers to share their ideas and code. Very cool. That's neat. And lastly, Sony has announced that it will stop selling Betamax video cassettes beginning in March 2016. The firm revealed on its website that it will also stop shipping the micro MV cassette used in video cameras. It is not produced. It has not produced um, a compatible camera for the Micro MV since 2005, though. 
Sony launched a format in 1975, a year before JVC's rival, the VHS cassette, which eventually became the market leader after a long battle between the two brands and their fans. Although many felt Betamax was a superior format, most cite the longer recording length of the VHS tapes, three hours versus one, and the cheaper manufacturing costs for VHS machines as the main factors as to why VHS eventually won out. Hmm. Big thanks this week to Jeff Weston, Roy W. Nash, and our community of viewers for submitting your stories to us. If you found a news story you'd like to send, send us an email at newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, please visit category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the Category 5 TV newsroom, I'm Hillary Rumble in for Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Hillary. As Hillary's making her way back to the desk, this is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. It's episode number 425. Woohoo! And it's November 10th, 2015. Nice to see you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Mm, welcome, everybody. Hope you're having fun. It's been a technological marvel this evening. Oh, yeah. And things are kind of holding up. So that's good. I'm feeling good about it. For the tech show to have tech that works is really quite <laughs> impressive. I feel like I need to put up my feet and just fly a teeny drone. Can I do we that We could do that the for the last few minutes of the, the show. Last f- you oh, the last just... few. Oh, right. That's your way of hinting we got, that we need to wait. We, yes, I'm trying to okay. tell you politely. We got I'm lots to cover. These things. We got lots to do, man. Do we? Yes. Well, what do you got for me? Viewer questions? I do. Fantastic. I, I do. Today, viewer questions are brought to you by those who buy their toiletries from Amazon using our affiliate link. What? Go to category5.tv, click on support us, <laughs> and uh, you'll see our affiliate links there. Very yeah, cool. people are buying things like uh, shampoo, shaving cream, even wow. vitamins. You've got to buy it anyway. Thank you for buying your vitamin K through Category 5. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Vitamin K. <laughs> It's true. It makes such oh, a, a, a substantial hit. difference, and we really appreciate uh, every little thing and every big thing that you buy mm-hmm. through our affiliate links. That's a cool way to support Category 5 it TV Network because you're cool. going to shop anyways, especially with the, Tis the Season, right? Yes, uh, we're yes, yes, yes. picking up some lists and checking it twice, and <laughs> Santa's shopping on Amazon and eBay and Perfect. some of our other partners like Newegg and so on and so forth. Sammy Dress. I love so Sammy check out, Dress. Check out the links. Uh, we also have uh, a lot of great sponsor links at if you go to um, theshowshow.tv. Mm-hmm. Okay. Click on sponsors and you'll see the links there. If you go to neweveryday.tv, mm-hmm. click on sponsors, you'll see all the links there. Perfect. Um, these are shows that we produce here at the Category 5 TV network. It's not mm-hmm. just Category 5 Technology TV. Um, so I'd encourage you to, to support us through that. Thank you. All right, viewer questions. Let's do it. All righty, here Thanks we go. Thanks for sending them in, folks. Coming to us from Courtney in BC. Hi, Courtney in BC. Hi, Robbie. In the dear old days of DOS, I could use Edlin or WordPerfect or other uh, old word processors. Oh, yeah. Uh, then I saved the file and wrote a batch file.bat to have the file saved to multiple devices. Floppy disks. Insert a pause command where needed. Um, <laughs> it was automated and simple. And now with File Manager, is there a way to automatically save to multiple drives or multiple thumb drives? Copy and paste is tedious to have to do for numerous locations. So how do we uh, 
kind of rectify that there? Well, DOS, first of all, is DOS, Disk Operating System, the old school way of doing things. That's what I learned on. Well, actually, I, w- I predate DOS. I was on GW Basic and QBasic. Oh, this is like before I was even born. Thank you for that, Hillary. You're basically a jerk. <laughs> Sorry. You're so old, Robbie. Press and on. bald. <laughs> hey, I didn't mention the bald. <laughs> yeah, all right, but now that I mention it. Okay, anyways. Yeah. Uh, good guy 98 mentioning, yeah, bat files still work if you're on Windows. Absolutely. Go into the, the uh, I was going to say terminal, but the command prompt, which is DOS, not really, but it is similar kind of thing. You can create .bat files. Uh, on Linux, we create something called an SH file, hmm. a shell script. So to get to the heart of the matter, can we copy and paste? She's saying copy and paste is annoying. Yeah, she yeah. just wants to be able to. Is this for a backup? Or is this just to have? I'm not sure. Probably and simple. A bat file that would have the file saved to multiple drives. It sounds like redundancy, right? Is that your intention? Is to have redundancy mm. here? Um, there are any number of ways to do this. Uh, okay, so you're if you're on Windows, then yes, bat files are uh, still available to you. Okay. You can create shortcuts that you can just double click and open the bat file and run it you can run it as a scheduled task and uh, we actually use them quite frequently in uh, in the field you'll create a bat file to run any number of commands and it makes things easier recently as silly as it is i just recently uh, had a customer who didn't know how to do a ping test so just to make it simple for them i created a bat file right on their desktop mm-hmm. that had a ping-tgoogle.com and it just runs a ping until they hit control C and then it gives the report so that they can tell me how many packets they've lost. Hmm. That little icon on their desktop is just a bat file. To them, it's ping. Just hmm. makes things simpler for them. So that's still doable. Um, on Linux, I, I like using shell scripts. Bash is the way to go. Not sure what operating system you're running. Uh, Courtney, I uh, it, it all works kind of the same way. Um, but as far as syncing between multiple devices, I would look at something like uh, RDIF backup. That's one that you definitely want to take a boo at. I can just bring it up for sure. you. Sure, yeah. And sometimes it's easiest just to get into Google or whatever your favorite search engine is and just type it in. Um, let's yeah. take a, a look here. It's rdiff-backup, and there's the URL nongnu.org slash rdiff-backup. What this is, it's a free script that uses rsync to um, to run backups, but it does it in a really unique way. We kind of saw a similar kind of thing on last week's episode 424 when we were talking about uh, Unison. rdiff-backup, what it does is backs up your files, mm-hmm. so syncs it between multiple locations, and then... Um, if you make changes to any of the files and then back them up again, it will only back up bits that have changed. Why does that matter? Think about if you run a backup of something that, a folder that has a bunch of MP3 files, a couple movies, a couple of doc files, and you run your backup. Well, with RDIF backup, and if you've, crea- if you've changed one of the doc files, uh, let's say you open it up and you do a spelling correction, mm-hmm. change T-H- uh, T-E-H to T-H-E. <laughs> Typical, right? 
So that backup is not going to back up all the videos and all the MP3 files and the doc file. Mm -hmm. It's actually going to just save the reversal of the two letters. So like two bits, maybe a little bit more than two bits for mm -hmm. your backup. So it's, it's going to be minuscule. So it really has an impact when you're doing big backups across multiple systems because it only has to, cha it only has to save the changes um, that you've made since the last backup. And it's quite literal. Uh, it doesn't even have to back up a whole file, just the pieces that you've changed. Okay. So it's pretty neat. But that, then as I'm saying this, looking at last week's episode 424, we talked about a program called Unison. And I think that might be a really good solution. Hmm. Because with Unison... It's bi-directional. It's like our diff backup, but it's bi-directional. So then if I change it on the floppy, do you use floppies? Really? Um, <laughs> if you change it on your USB flash drive and then run Unison, it will then update the one on your computer. Then if you update, if you type something into the doc file on your computer and then run Unison, it will then update the one on your flash drive. Mm. So it has a similar effect, but it's bi-directional. So I can take that flash drive anywhere, modify the file, bring it back, and it will automatically update it on my desktop. Gotcha. So, uh, so that is called Unison. There is a, a tool called Unison-GTK on Linux, and that gives you a front-end, uh, a graphical user interface that will help you, Courtney, um, to be able to set that up. But refer back to episode 424, and those of you who are interested in that kind of uh, technology or technique, uh, we are going to be looking at Unison in, for, in greater depth over the next little while. Cool. I think it's kind of like a combination of all different techs and products. Courtney, let us know if that helps, all right? Mm -hmm. Be interested in knowing um, what that's, what that's um, led you to come up with. Okay, thank you. Love getting your questions. Love it. I think we have time for one more. Robbie, what oh, say yeah. you? Yeah, because we had a little transition time there at the news. Okay, so perfect. A few minutes. And we were a little late, too, because of setting up the remote feed and Sasha. all this stuff. Ah. Uh, no worries. More Having time for more questions. Downtown, Barry. It's all good. Alrighty. Do, 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 do. This comes to us from Spagando, maybe? Anyways, thank you. I have installed Ubuntu 15. Still learning and trying to become more functional with it. Most okay. of my documents, though, are still in Windows 7. I have one hard drive set up with Ubuntu and one hard drive set up with Windows 7. I want to use dual boot. Can I do this and keep both hard drives separate, or do I have to have both um, operating systems on one hard drive? Okay, I'm going to touch on that before I do because I like to. I love the interaction with our chat room. Elroy is just mentioning that uh, GRSync is another great GUI tool, a front oh, okay. end for RSync. So uh, that's for you, Courtney. So it's another one to pop into the search engine and uh, let me Google that for you, cool. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so looking at, at your question, Spagandao. We're not too sure. I just made it up. But I think up. we're close. I, I think we're know. close. Hey, thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Um, I, you can do it any, any which way. You've got two hard drives. Each mm -hmm. one has a different operating system. How do you boot? Yeah. You can, you can set up Grub as your bootloader on the main hard drive's boot table and so then when you i don't know all the technical terms but when you boot up the computer it will ask you if you want to boot into windows on this hard drive or into linux on this hard drive mm -hmm. fairly complicated process to be honest there there's an easier way it's not perfect but 
when I was learning Linux, and, and sometimes th- th- these are the ways to, to work around and, and just to get through so mm-hmm. that you can get it done and, and learn the system. I had the same scenario where I had two different hard drives because I didn't, I didn't know how to dual boot at that time. I wasn't sure if I was going to lose all my files, so I didn't want to risk it. So here's what I did. I unplugged the SATA cables from my hard drive. And I plugged in, this was actually IDE, possibly RLL at the time. Um, but but I, I then plugged in the, the second hard drive, booted up my computer mm-hmm. from CD at that time, installed Linux. And it, so remember, this is on a completely separate hard drive. So my Windows hard drive was now disconnected physically from the computer. Mm. I don't have to worry about overwriting anything. So then I installed Linux, booted it up. It worked great, so on and so forth. Then... Back at my, uh, my computer, I plugged in the Windows drive. So mm-hmm. now, whichever one is on that first, uh, what, the SATA port or whatever it is that you're using, is going to be the one that boots. And the boot order is set in your BIOS. So then I would just switch the BIOS boot order. So which hard drive do I want to boot from? Hmm. And, it would, um, and it would boot. So play around with it. It's an idea anyway, so when you go into your BIOS, when you first turn on the computer, you can just change so that you're now booting from the second hard drive instead of the first hard drive. Gotcha. And if you've done it right, then it, it should work. That's one way around it, the least complicated way, I think. And that way you're then utilizing both hard, hard drives exclusively in a native environment. And you can access the Windows partition from your Linux computer. So when you boot up, because both hard drives are physically connected and and in the system be careful because you could delete the windows folder and now you can't boot windows but you can access your documents from linux that are stored on your windows partition or on your windows hard drive you can't do the opposite you can but we're not going to get into that it's it's dangerous complicated and so on uh linux you can just mount the windows hard drive you could even set it up to you share the same documents folder as a mount point to the ntfs drive and then you can just edit your documents on either Windows or Linux and then just change the boot order and boot up, play games on Windows, boot up into Linux and do all your other stuff. Cool. So hopefully that gives you some yeah. ideas. I do like, uh, you know, once you once you get um, a little more advanced in, in it, then, you know, do what Sparkly Balls is saying in the chat room and do the, the whole grub thing. Just use it, uh, okay. use it uh, to give you a boot menu, but similar kind of effect. And, and with the method that I just mentioned, you probably, it, it's a little easier to get your head around because you know that depending on your boot order, that's the one that boots. Where Grub, if something updates and you lose Grub, then it's hard to fix if you're not too sure how to do that. And so it gets a little more complicated. Plus you're replacing the Windows bootloader, right. which can be problematic or confusing in some instances. So mm-hmm. work your way to it and let us know cool. how it goes. Thank you for your Thanks question. For the question. Yeah. Do we have any any more coming in? We have a couple more. Awesome. I'm hoping we can get Thanks, to them. Folks. Now, this viewer... you got to leave me enough time to fly the teeny drone. Okay. Go ahead. Behave. All right. Um, they sent us some screenshots. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you had a chance to look at them I before the show. I have not seen these. Are they good? Well, I'm not sure. All right. I'm going to bring up my copy of the email. So what, what's the... Okay. What so it's actually from Chris Lee, 2511 from oh, the hey, UK. Oh, hey, Chris. So he's saying... This comment is regarding the question you had from episode 419. You can downgrade from Windows 10, but you only have a month or so to do it after upgrading. Oh, this is referring back to a a comment 
question, and I wasn't entirely sure. Chris, I appreciate this. So it's okay. kind of a bit of a follow-up here. Once you upgrade to Windows 10, can you go back to He's Windows 7 or Windows 8? He's saying you have a month to downgrade. You do. I'm guessing that after the month, the only way you can downgrade is to do like a full-out wipe, I guess. So he's attached three screenshots of zip okay. file to take a look at on how you go about doing a downgrade. So he says, thank you for an awesome show. Okay, well. so P.S. Chris, oh, there's a P.S.? Like he's saying, awesome show, guys. Like, oh. P.S., thank you. Awesome Thanks, show. Chris. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, okay. So you got the screenshots Yeah, let's see here. if I can do this. Take a little I'm look I'm going to try to bring these up, Chris. Uh, okay, so this is Windows 10. Screenshot number one, settings. Screenshot two, update and security. Windows update, recovery backup. Screenshot three, recovery. Reset this PC. Oh, go back to Windows 7. Nice. Chris, dude, thanks for that. That's good a good find. Good find. Um, I yeah. have noticed on the systems that I've upgraded to Windows 10 that there's a folder. I think it's called Old Windows. In the root folder, which is my old Windows. So I knew it was for recovery and stuff. Wasn't quite sure how to get there. So for those of you who have upgraded to uh, Windows 10 and want to revert back, hopefully you've still got time. Maybe you've got the chance to do that. <laughs> I know I mentioned to Orange Man, hey, use uh, run um, Clonezilla before mm, you do your upgrade okay. first. Make a backup of your, your system, and then you can restore back to it easily. Um, this may be even easier, but it's still, I think, good to have that Clonezilla image, and then you can always f fall back on it if you need to. So, cool. Thanks again, Chris, for Thank sending that Thank you for that, that in. info. We love it. Our mm -hmm. viewers are so great. They are awesome. Always helping us. Go ahead. I'd like to have your undivided attention, please, Robbie. I can multitask. I'm you know. like Linux that way. Now, there's studies that suggest that men cannot multitask. Because of their Hillary, you're doing it again. Okay. You're being mean. I'm sorry. It's just science. Okay. Although I do like the airflow from Yeah, that. it's kind of nice, eh? It's like... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, the, of course, if I turn it sideways, then it doesn't work because oh. the, the gyro kicks in. <laughs> okay, tell you what. Last question, then you can play. Okay. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. This question's coming to us from Like. Hello, Like. <laughs> Can you discuss some computer book publishers uh, that you like to learn programming, networking, and networking and security? This is a personal preference. Robbie's opinion question. Sure. Um, and my opinion doesn't count in this case. Well. Because, well, there are people that I know in our chat room who have better suggestions than I. O'Reilly's the one that keeps coming up. Um, like. Just, they're just trying to get me to say like all the time. Like, like totally. Like totally. Like thanks for the question, like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I'll ask you to do, again, another way to support Category 5 TV, jump over to our website, category5.tv. In its current iteration, go to support us, affiliate links, and then you'll see the uh, Amazon links. Mm -hmm. So choose the one that's closest to you. If it's Amazon.com, for example, click on that. And now you're using our affiliate links so that uh, as you purchase things, it doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps support the show. Under your search, so what we want to do is type O apostrophe Riley without an E before the Y, uh, I believe. Maybe it is. Let's try it like that. I think it's like that. Uh, and then whatever you want to learn. Programming. Is there an E? No, there's not. I was right. Okay. So you, they have very recognizable covers. So you're always going to... The animals. Yeah, they have the animals, um, rich colors like that. 
um, and choose the one you want. Now, if you want to be more specific and say, okay, O'Reilly Publishing, uh, let's get into PHP, then you're going to see the oh, O'Reilly books on PHP, PHP MySQL, the PHP Cookbook. So that works pretty well, and, and they are uh, very reputable and, and come highly recommended from viewers in our chat room like GWG and Garby, uh, who we respect the opinions of very highly. Um, and just enter in you know, whatever else you're looking for. What else are we looking for? Just uh, programming, networking, networking, security, networking and computer security. So there you are, TCP IP. See how easy that is? So first of all, it starts at our website, going through our affiliate link, and mm -hmm. then doing a quick search on Amazon for O'Reilly, and then whatever the topic is that you're looking for. Beauty. Thanks for sending that in, like. Mm -hmm. Like we liked it. <laughs> oh, I get to fly now? Now you may play is that with it? your drone. That's all the time that we have, folks. <laughs> You can sign us off. I'm busy. Oh, thank you for watching, friends. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Hillary, the responsible one. I hit the camera. And he killed the drone. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great week. <laughs> Bye. See ya. See ya. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.